Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again, everyone, to Madam Perry's Salon, the podcast that loves you, the podcast where fascinating people meet. I am your host, your spiritual advisor, and uh, cruise director, Madam Perry. But you don't have to call me Madam. You can call me Jan, JP, Perry, Jennifer. I'm just happy to be here once again with you and happy um that you're here listening. Thanks to everyone who subscribes on the different podcast platforms and people that leave messages, people that talk to me about the guest later um, and share the podcast with others. I am so grateful to you because you help me keep getting fantastic guests like the people we've had. Um, you know, I've never had a bad guest, but you help me keep uh, so many fascinating guests, uh, like the ones who have been on for the last 400 and something episodes, the ones coming up, and the guests we have tonight for sure. Um, to give them some updates on things, too, um, don't forget that Franny Goldie, uh, if you remember her, that was a very popular episode, and I think she's going to be coming back soon, but Franny Goldie who known first as a songwriter, Grammy Award nominated and winning songwriter. You probably know most of the songs she's written for other people, like uh, Night Shift for the Commodores, Stick With You for the Pussycat Dolls, Dreaming for Selena. But she has a clothing business, too. She's a designer, and uh, her pants were described by Adam Glassman of Oh, the Oprah magazine is magic pants. They've been featured on The View. Uh, anyway, if you go to her website, and she emailed me last week. She's got a lot of new stuff there. Go to the website, F-R-A-N-N-E-G-O-L-D-E, Goldie, FrannyGoldie.com, and choose whatever your heart desires. And whenever you get ready to pay to check out, just put in the initials M. P.S. for Madam Perry Salon. Franny's going to give you a sweet little discount. So don't 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 miss your discount. And uh, and the clothes they're just fabulous, and they really are magic pants. Uh, what else is coming up soon? By the way, uh, in February. The Atlanta Steampunk Expo takes place. I've never been before, but I will be there this year. Uh, I think I'm going to present some panels about women, uh, Victorian women who studied astronomy and made some fantastic discoveries, whether they got credit for it or not. And I'll be doing a live broadcast from there. And then, of course, in March is uh, Wild Wild West Con, but we'll get more on that later, too. If there's anything else, anybody that I forgot to mention, you, know, you can always message me on Facebook, either through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Modette Perry. But anyway, here we go. And I've gotten a lot of questions about this in the last 48 hours. My guest tonight, native New York and New York-based actress, performer, writer, has major, as I put in my description, she has major IMDb. Our IMDb film cred, TV cred, uh, co-starred on shows like Blue Buds, Homeland. Uh, she's a top communications host, host of Mentors on the Mic podcast. And this is what's fascinating and how I first found her. I've seen her before in TV and film but didn't know any more about this lady. But mentors on the mic, oh, my gosh, if you're any kind of actor, performer, writer, director, and you just wish that there would be somebody that would give you the straight information on what to do, what not to do, how to advance your career, how to prep your career, this lady's got it going on for you in this podcast. Uh, So I could just keep going on or I could bring you in. 
or excuse me, bring her here. It's her first time in the genie bottle, so we're going to all treat her as lovely as we can because we want her to come back again and again. She's fascinating. Michelle Simone Miller, welcome to Madame Perry's Salon. Come in and be comfortable. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am delighted to have you here. And just just the amount of work you've done. I keep thinking, how how much TV, movie, and you've done all Broadway, you've done all the theater. How could you do so much work? But you started young, and I think one of your first appearances was on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Yeah, that was a fun thing I did when I was in elementary school. My um, theater teacher chose, I went to like a normal public school in New York, and um, our teacher chose like, I think a handful of us. I, I have a picture on my phone somewhere. I'll have to send it to you. But it's like, oh, please. There were like eight of us. Yeah, it was, it's so good. Um, there was there were like eight of us that she chose who were like very, you know, like loved our theater class. And she got the opportunity for us to be on the Rosie O'Donnell show for two episodes. So we did like a little skit of like the best picture nominees for that year. And then we like lip sync a song for her birthday. It was Rosie O'Donnell's birthday. So I have the footage somewhere on VHS at my mom's place, but I haven't seen it in years. But it was so much fun. Oh, wow. I can imagine. And that's got to have been. I wonder, was it daunting because it was such a big show, or was it because you were young enough to where you were too young to, to be freaked out like an adult would, like I would? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. I remember... I remember a lot of it very well, but I, I remember that, like, we filmed a lot of it in our theater class. So, you know, our we did, we, did, we went to the studio, and we were able to meet her in person, and we got these awesome goodie bags. So th- that part was very exciting. But the actual stuff that we filmed, and maybe this was because they just had the foresight to know that, like, it's hard to put, like, kids on the spot and have them do stuff while they're being <laughs> filmed live. So we did it in our classroom. So our both the acting skit and the lip-syncing part, which were in two different episodes, were both filmed and shot in our theater class. And so, you know, we did get to go to the studio, and so I was a little nervous for that, but we had already filmed that other stuff. So I felt a little bit less less nervous, if you will. How was uh, like Rosie and the other crew that worked on the show? Did they make make the kids make all of you feel comfortable? Yeah, I just have the fondest memories. I mean, she really was so super sweet, was so nice to all of us. The crew was really nice to us, and I just remember we got these incredible goodie bags where like we got these. I don't know if it was near St. Patrick's Day. I think her birthday is in March, but I could be wrong. But we got these, like, really fun headbands with, like, these, like, four-leaf clovers attached to it. And I remember we got these gray shirts that said the Rosie O'Donnell logo on it. And the shirt was so big for me. It was definitely for an adult. (laughs) And I was, like, swimming in it. But, you know, I wore it all the time for so long because I was so excited. So the goodie bag was amazing. We just had a really, really fun experience. And they treated us really well. And she was so sweet. She took this great picture. It was a Polaroid picture. And we each got our own Polaroid picture that we got to take home. Oh, how wonderful. So I can imagine the very, very young Michelle Simone Miller going, this is it for me. Yeah, you know, it was right around that time, and I remember where I was in elementary school, very, like, not far from that theater class, but it was outside the theater class in the auditorium somewhere, and I remember having the realization at a very young age, oh, my God, wait, I think I think people could do this for a living. Like, I think this is, like, a career <laughs> that, like, people can have, and as soon as I realized that, I knew in my core that that was what I was supposed to do. Like, I just knew it from, and it, I must have been, I mean, I was second grade or something, so I, I must have been seven or eight, I think, but I, I just knew that, like, oh, this is this is what I'm to do. Um, and I'll, I'll say this, you know, at that time, I mean, that was a huge, amazing thing that I was able to be a part of, but, like, all our school plays up until, like, fourth grade, like, all the other years, I never got the lead in anything. I never got the solos. I never got the lead. Even when I was in fourth grade, I didn't get the lead. I got, like, a minor part that I was really excited for, but um, I never was the lead role. And yet I just knew, you know, I I meant to be doing this. And I was so like, just in love with the whole process. Wow. That's, 
That's fantastic. Now, you had that feeling even young, like when you said that um, you didn't get the leads, you didn't get this, but you still kept doing it. That made me think of, you know, I think we were talking recently about the actress Ard Marine, who's um, mm, yeah. most recently on Insatiable. And in her book, yeah. Little Miss Little, uh, Little Miss Little Compton, she talks about similar things when she decided this what she wanted to do and she would try out for things in school and place. And if she didn't get a part or didn't get in at all, uh, you know, her mother would go, that's fine. Just go ahead and write your own. Aren't you really? Mm, oh, what a great advice. Yeah, yeah. So she said, yes, the main thing is don't say I can't do it or I don't get a part. Come up with something. Do the pivot. Uh, don't don't think it's all over. And so you definitely didn't didn't slack. You just thought, okay, all right, this is what I'm doing. Somebody else needs to be the lead now. But... Yeah, I wish someone gave me that advice. I will say the way I pivoted, I was that person who was like obsessed with the play. So I would run lines with everybody. I would be oh. I would be the prop manager, the light manager. I mean, I still had small roles during those times, but like I remember the way they did this, these school plays because there were so many kids. They would have two different casts, and so I'd be maybe in a small, small, tiny role that was almost insignificant in one cast, and I was like the lighting manager in the other cast, and or a prop manager, or whatever I was. And I would also just be, like, I would go to all the rehearsals. I would, you know, help people with lines all the time. So I just felt like, okay, like I was devastated when I didn't get a lead role. Like, I, it wasn't even like I wanted a minor role. I wanted the lead role. And so when I wouldn't get a lead role, and I would get, like, the tiniest of roles. And I remember why I didn't get those roles in retrospect. But at the time, I was like, why did I get that? I don't understand. I'm just as good. Um, but, you know, there was this element of, like, I'm just going to, you know, put my, like, love into this anyway. And so once I got over the sadness of not getting the lead, I would just, just be involved in any way I can and I just I just loved performing I loved being on stage I loved being a part of other people's fun and and so I that's how I was able to like deal with that but I wish someone told me make your own work I mean at a young age like that that's a great habit to to Mm -hmm. start oh yeah well now tell us then if you if you would about uh your studies and training after that as you grew up and then went on to uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to work professionally. Yeah, so um, you know, I went to a small after I went to this elementary school. I went to a small junior high that really didn't have a theater program, and so I was and I had a very small class. My class was like fifteen kids or something in my grade. So I was known as the actor, right? I was known as the person who always wanted the part <laughs> if we were doing a theme in class or something, if we were reading a play. I was the one who wanted to jump up. I'm the actor, right? And I would also would take acting classes on Saturdays. I would go to theater camps. And, you know, when you're known as the actor, you know, when any opportunity came to the school, which was very infrequent, I was the one that was pushed ahead. I was the one where, like, my teacher would be like, oh, you should, you should call on Michelle. And I remember there was one woman who came to the school, and she, was, she showcased a play. She was talking about a play. She had a couple people read lines. And unbeknownst to me, um, my teacher had told her, you should, show, you should choose Michelle. She's our actress. She's our little actress. And in, like, fifth, it was, like, sixth grade or something. And I remember – I came up and I, I performed whatever scene it was, and I was so happy. It was like, you know, just this is the most exciting day of the whole year. And that eventually turned into an audition for that same play that was a showcase for Off-Broadway. And really? so, you know, and, it, and it's a crazy thing, and I'll just I'll say this, too, for any actors out there listening. The first time I auditioned for the show, I actually, not for the showcase part, it was for, like, a small regional production of it, I not only didn't get a part, I got an understudy for two roles. And I remember my best friend was the lead, and I was so jealous, but I was also happy for her, but super jealous. But I came to every rehearsal. I knew all the lines for the parts that I was understudying. And I was so invested whenever someone was gone their role in rehearsal. And then when I – and then when the time came for us to audition for a higher version of that play, I was ready. 
Um, and mm-hmm. that's when I booked a role. And that's when, and that was a higher stake audition. And I remember I went in for the callback and I was like, I know this material so well. I've been going to all these rehearsals for the show for, for like months now. And that's when I booked the higher level version of the show. And that's when I was working with actors that were doing this professionally. I saw, you know, I saw the older actors were all in equity. They were all in the union. Um, the other actors who played the older kids in this show, um, they had all, they were all going to professional performing arts schools. They were going to LaGuardia. So all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is real. And that's when I, I mean, I was every day after school, and sometimes I would leave early from school, I would go to rehearsal. So it was really fun, and it was a really great way of going, oh, this is different than, like, a school thing, huh? This is, this is real. <laughs> How fantastic. So that, 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 the, the situation where you were the understudy on a couple of parts and helping everyone, and, I mean, it, it's like, it's, it's like your uh, it's like your guardian angel is going. No, trust me, this mm. is best. You're gonna be so yeah. ready. <laughs> you know, if that little girl knew that, like, you know, just a cup a few months later, there was gonna be another opportunity to do that same show, but on a bigger scale. You know, mm-hmm. I would have I would have saved so much heartbreak and sadness of not getting a big role in that, or not getting any role in that show. It's just an understudy, but. In that same show on a higher scale, I was I was a role. I and I'd much I would have rather preferred to get that role then than to mm-hmm. get a role in the other show, which I don't even know if they ended up performing that. I, I obviously wasn't part of it anymore. But once I got the higher version of it, <laughs> well, how fantastic though! And it's got to it must have been a good feeling to be there and and feel ready, feel like you belong. Yes. Yeah, it really did, especially especially acting with all these people who had more experience than I did outside of schools and, and you know, feeling like, oh, wow, there's some professional actors here. At least I knew the play really well. You know, at least I could do this play. I already knew a lot of the lines in my heart. You know, like I knew the, the role so well because I had been this understudy for months. So... That that felt good. At least I had that bit of confidence. Oh yeah, you could have you could have picked up for anybody, given them a cue, anything, you know, line. <laughs> Michelle's yeah. got it. <laughs> well, yeah. now, when did you start working on television or film? That wasn't until after you know college. I I you know kept I went to a new high I went to a high school and I did school plays there, and then I went to college and I was doing you know I had a theater. I, studied theater there as well as English and it wasn't until like my third year my junior year of college that I sat down and went wait a second I've been doing theater all of my life but I see myself in film and tv and commercials like I I it almost was this realization like if I if I want to go down this road which I always have intended to do I better get more experience in film and tv before I pursue this professionally so in college, not only was I trying to audition for stuff outside of school, but I started doing student films. And that's really what started becoming the bulk of my, my resume outside of theater and my acting reel. So you're supposed to kind of have this video reel to showcase to agents and managers and even casting directors that you've been on set before. And usually the first reels that most actors have are filled with student films and low-budget films. So in college, I started working on that, and then I graduated college and moved to New York, not knowing anything about how to get started professionally as an actor, um, because I really done anything professional since I was, you know, in junior high. It was a while ago. So I had to learn how to get an agent. I had to learn how to find an agent. I had to learn how to get a manager. I had to learn how to meet casting directors and, and submit myself for low-budget projects. So I could build my my resume and stuff. So that's when I started doing all that. And it wasn't until like, you know, a couple of years in that I was starting to book the first few things. But the first major thing I booked was a film called Winter's Tale. And it was with Russell Crowe and Will Smith and Colin Farrell. Um, and, you know, the great Jennifer Connelly was in it. And it was uh, mm. it was directed and written by Akiva Goldman, who wrote... Um, films such as A Beautiful Mind and I Am a Legend and um, Cinderella Man. So really fantastic films. 
And so, I, I mean, I remember everything about booking this role, get, being on set, and then, you know, subsequently finding out that I was cut from the film. And I was on the, re- I was on the deleted scenes on the DVD, though. So at least I had that. But it was my first experience getting such a huge win and then and then that like getting cut from a film you know which every actor has at least one story that's like that but um you know that that was my first initial foray into the professional side of things magnificent when you um then tell tell us about uh you know i've i've mentioned that you've been on you co-starred on shows like blue bloods homeland uh you know we want a little insight on that, Michelle. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that was really fun. I, you know, you get to a point where you're auditioning for all these major television shows. Like I've been, like the show The Blacklist, I think I've auditioned for that show 14 or 15 times. You know, you get to a place where hopefully the casting directors like you and remember you, and maybe you're not right for those roles, but they just keep bringing you back. So that's super ideal in that way. But you know, for, for Blue Bloods and Homeland, I actually booked them, I think, within, like, a month or five or six weeks from each other. Like, it was a very quick thing. I booked one, and then I booked the second one. Um, and I was a really big fan of Homeland. I used to watch that show with my mom a lot. So, for me, that was very exciting to get on. I will say, though, you know, when you get on set, people always ask me, did you, get, did you meet Tom Selleck? Did you meet Claire Danes? And truthfully, you only meet them if you have a scene with them. And both my scenes, my scenes were not with the major actors. So I didn't meet the, the, either the, like, the supporting cast and the, the, the major series regulars who are not those famous people. But it was the most exciting thing. I mean, I, I have to tell you, you know, when you're on set for these projects, you do the same thing. 150 times sometimes like they need it from every angle they need many takes especially if there's many people in both most in both the scenes that i was in in both homeland and blue blood there were a lot of people and so when there's a lot of people sometimes it takes hours to do the very simplest of scenes you know you see on television it ends up being 30 seconds or two minutes or three minutes but really it was hours of filming and so, um, you know, for both those things, I just, it was the most amount of fun. You know, you go in for a fitting, you get to try on these outfits, they take pictures of you, then you get to set, you get your own trailer, you get, you know, all your wardrobe outline, you know, like, like, like sort of like a hung up with your name on it. You go to hair and makeup. It's just like the most incredible experience getting to be on the big professional sets like that. It's, there's nothing like it. How cool. <laughs> and that does sound like fun. It's sort of like a, almost like a, a, a summer camp for adults. Exactly. That's how I feel. I remember a, I did one scene in Homeland like 150 times, not even exaggerate. It was just so many from different angles, hours and hours. And I remember right at the end when they wrapped us all and we were able to, you know, change out of our costumes, get our stuff and leave, you just have this feeling of, like, I'm meant to be doing this. Like, again, just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is just joy. And they always say as an actor that our job is actually auditioning and our vacation is getting to work. Ah, I've never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so um, just let me stop here to say, if you're listening live, and this is Thursday, January 12th, 8.23 p.m. Eastern, and you're listening to me talking with actor podcaster Michelle Simone Miller, if you've got a question, give us a call. The number is 646-716-9922. Uh, it's a toll-free call in the continental U.S., but 646-716-9922. Or if you're in a situation, Michelle, I think we've all been there, where you can't make a call, maybe because of your day job or something or your night job, whatever, you can always send me uh, a comment or question through Facebook message, either through Jennifer Maudette Perry or Madam Perry Salon. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about, Michelle? Oh, yeah. You know, you get to a place sometimes where you're listening to stuff, but you just can't. 
you can't stop what you're doing or you can't like call in and, you know, make a phone call. I don't want everyone to know that you're even listening to something while working. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like when I was working customer service, I had to crawl under my desk to win a contest on the phone through a radio. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so what good. are you doing down there? Uh, I lost something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's my earring. You got them on. What was another one from yesterday? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me, give us some, give us some fun stuff from a show. I mean, you know, especially from the big shows. And I'm not asking for any dirt because we don't do that kind of thing here. Like I know I worked, um, I was a resident townsperson for a season on uh, Star Girl. And the first time I went, I had my corgi because it was pedestrian and dog. Uh, then after a while, the corgi just didn't want to walk anymore. So I had mm. to sort of drag her along. Or I did a week on, oh. um, oh, when you were talking about how you do something 150 times and it just takes, but it's just a few seconds on film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did a week on uh, Stranger Things. And it's the it mm. one where there's a carnival. The, uh, the big town carnival for Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, a week's worth of work, but it Isn't was in crazy? the middle of the night in October. Mm. So yes, yeah, so, yes, yeah, so we're all wearing summer clothes in twenty twenty five degree weather. Mm. But yeah, holding on to get to. Uh, um, Let's see, they kept giving me some cotton candy, but it kept melting on my hand. You know, it's so sticky. Oh. Yeah, so you tell tell us some of the fun things like that that people don't sure. see when they just see the finished picture. Yeah, well, uh, you know, a couple of stories came out from Winter's Tale that's worth telling. So the first one I was on, remember, you know, I played this Native American woman who finds a baby. And the baby grows up and ends up being Colin Farrell. He's the lead role. And so... You know, it was very exciting. You know, I'm there, and it's my first major role in a professional set. It's so many people there. And, you know, they treat you very well, you know, as an actor, even with a small part. You know, they give you a trailer, and they give you hair and makeup. They give you the costume, obviously. And then they also, like, if it's cold out, they, you know, depending on what shoes you wear, let's say they give you these, like, you know, I think in my case, moccasins. But because it's cold, when you're not working, they give you a goose and they give you a long, warm coat, like a gore- like a coat that you want to oh. take home, like one of those really fluffy, like really nice down <laughs> coats. And so anytime you're not working, they have someone who basically follows you. They're like an AD. They're like PA. So they're like a production assistant. And they follow you. They're in charge of you as the actor. And they hold your coat and your Uggs for when you're working. And then in between, in between takes, which there are a lot of, as you know, they put, they, they insist you wear these Uggs in the coat because they want to make sure you're comfortable. And so if you're like, Oh no, it's fine. They're like, are you sure it's cold? And then they give you like, a, they, they bring you to a place with heat lamps and like, it's just, it's very fun. But anyway, here's my story. So that day, my whole thing is, you know, I'm walking along. I see a baby that like was in this like toy boat that gets like sort of pushed ashore and that baby I and it's implied I raised that baby and it becomes Colin Farrell as an adult and you know I see this baby and you do it a couple times with rehearsal and I'm wearing these bug boots it's totally fine and then I wear on the regular boots uh, regular shoes and I lift this baby and it's a doll the first few times they do it based on the angle they have me lift a doll and as I'm lifting the doll um, and I'm walking with this doll to this to my other actor who's there, I slip and I <gasps> fall really hard on my butt and it, it hurts. But of course there's like a million people watching you and they're all coming over. Are you okay? Like I was, I just, I wiped out and I get up and I'm like, Oh no, I'm totally fine. I'm ignoring all the adrenaline's there. I'm like, I'm in pain. My definitely is bruised all over, but I'm like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm special. It's cool. I'm, like, also really young at the time. I must be, like, 23 or 22. And so, you know, everyone's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh, no, no, totally fine. I'm like, oh, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. So then, you know, we do it again. And then eventually they introduce the real baby. And they give, they, they put the real baby down, and they're like, okay, same thing you did with the dog. Pick up the real baby. 
And I, I didn't, you know, I, I was so good in my head. I was like, I'm not high maintenance. I didn't say anything about me when I was doing it all those times, you know, mm-hmm. just in case that, you know, making sure when fall, but I said to them, listen, it's different if I fall on my butt. I, and that I can handle. <laughs> I will never be okay with being with falling with this baby in my hand. And I said, is there any way you can make it less slippery? Because what had happened was they had put the baby or the doll, wherever it was, in a boat that was right around all this moss. And that's why oh. it was slippery. And I said, the moccasins they're giving me are very thin. And on this moss, I was slipping. So I said to them, I don't care if I fall but I will never forgive myself if I fall with this baby in my hands. And so mm-hmm. they immediately got to work, removed a lot of the moss, and I was able to, to film all these, um, you know, shoot all these scenes with this, uh, shoot all these takes with this, this baby, and the baby grabbed my hair. And I think that's <laughs> the, the shot that ended up being used on the DVD. So huh. it was really fun, but it was just, I was like, I can't fall with this baby in my hand. I can't do it. And it's not the first time, actually, I had a crying baby uh, on set with me, I was I was in a commercial where I had this crying baby as well, and um, I remember they needed to use the backup baby. They had two babies on set just in case. <laughs> so it's always fun working with kids. <laughs> so that's why they have a ba- okay. That's why they have more than one baby. I yeah, see what they they're have looking just for. In case. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I want to talk about your podcast, Mentors on the Mic, but I'm going to yeah. take just a moment to play something. And don't forget, folks, you can call or send a message in any question for Michelle, Michelle, uh, Michelle, excuse me, Simone Miller. And we'll, we'll be right back after a message from my good friend, Sebastian. I mean, the world has gone crazy, right? I mean, this whole pandemic. I, I don't even know if I'm coming or going anymore. You know what I mean? But the one thing during the pandemic that I found out, right, that was a good thing, was the Madame Perry Salon. I mean, this podcast, right, when you hear her laughing, all you want to do is laugh. Right? When her dog's barking in the background and she's talking to the duck, I'm like, she's going to an interview, and I'm like, this podcast is the best podcast I've ever heard before. You know what I mean? Oh, don't listen to him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and okay. and it's a wonder we, we haven't had dogs barking. But anyway, your <laughs> podcast, Mentors on the Mic, oh, my word. This is fantastic. Tell me how you got started with this, and why. Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, it was, I, I will say it was right at the height of the pandemic. The pandemic had just started. We were all super nervous, didn't know what was going on, very anxious time, all at home. And, you know, for the first few weeks, actually, acting stuff was pretty busy. I think a lot of casting directors stepped in and were like, oh, let's do open calls. It's a chance to meet all these actors virtually. So first few weeks, I was super busy. And then it got really quiet, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, well, what do I, what do I want to do that I've never felt like I had time for? What, what, kind of, what kind of thing have I always given the excuse of, I don't have time for this? No, I have the time, right? I, you know. I don't have kids at home. I was I was living with a roommate. Like I really had time to do whatever it was. And the first thing that came to mind was a podcast. But the only problem was that I didn't know what it would be about. And so in the next couple of weeks or few weeks, I, I started determining what would be a what would a podcast be about. And and so right around the same time simultaneously, I was I was um what were they doing? I was making these panels for my alma mater. I used to I went to Brandeis University. And I was doing stuff for their alumni program, and I was creating these panels with really incredible people in the entertainment world. And I posted virtually my first panel with these four incredible people that I, I recruited to be part of this panel. And I thought, you know what? I could talk to each of them for an hour, let alone all four of them for this hour. I wish I had more time with each of them. And then I thought that should be my podcast. And to specifically, I wanted to focus on people in the entertainment industry and how they started and how they moved up to where they were today. Because there's a lot of stuff about very successful people in the entertainment industry, about what they're doing now, maybe a recent project they're doing, and maybe occasionally getting a couple questions from when they were younger. 
And But I was really focused, actually, on their early start. What was their first job? How did they get that coveted first position? How did they get to the next one? How did they know what they were doing? You know, some people started off as a production assistant, like the same one that I had kind of trailing me around on set. And then they're now the vice president in the major network. And I'll be like, well, how did you do that? You know, I, I think most people <laughs> who are production assistants, they don't know that they can maybe translate that one day to a vice president of a network. So it's one of those things where, like, that's the part I was curious about. It's, it's how, you know, I wanted to create this, this tribe of mentors where, mm-hmm. you know, people in different parts of the industry can explain what they do, writers, actors, directors, producers, showrunners of television shows. They can explain how they started, and, and maybe people can learn from it. And, and, you know, what's been really great is I'm starting to really develop this community of people who come to me, who, who tell me that they sometimes reach out to these, these mentors on the podcast after hearing their story and feeling like they're more approachable, telling them, hey, I listen to your podcast with Michelle, and, you know, I'd love to talk to you. And now these people are their mentors. And sometimes oh. I'm able to connect them with people, and sometimes they're connecting with each other, and and they're helping each other. So prize uh, thing that could came out from from doing this podcast. It started off as this thing that I was curious about, and that I was excited to get to know all these people and create this network of people. But now it's really become more than that, which is very exciting. And it is an exciting show, and, and the the fact that it's developed in that way, and yeah, you have created a community. You know, I could tell that from the second or third one that I listened to. It's like, this is important work, and you are creating a, a community and a way for people to try to figure things out in a business that's not always figureoutable, okay? It's just not. It's yeah. uh you, there is no, um, as it says, it says on the um, description, it's not a linear career path. You don't know where it's coming. I remember one of the first books I read on acting said, you know, your friends that you grew up with went to school. They may be going from uh, acquisition to promotion to whatever, whereas, you know, you have a, a good gig, get a good part, and it's. But then once that's over, you gotta hustle for another one, and it's yeah. it's a totally different animal. People aren't in it, uh, just don't understand. You know, that's uh, you have to keep on trying and keep on working, and you've got you have such a good variety of people like uh, uh, Allison Kersher, uh, casting associate. TV director, Bethany Rooney, you've had, oh, my gosh, I love the one with the uh, actress, Madison Shamor. Moon, yeah. She's great. She's the series regular on The Lake, which is an Amazon show with Julia Stiles. And she's also, what is she, hasn't she also done, um, was she on Blackish? She was on Blackish, too, yeah. Yeah, and several other shows. And I remember she was talking about doing being in Atlanta doing a commercial for Coca-Cola. And it was also one of those yeah. stories where it's like, it's not cold, it's hot. They keep wetting it down so it'll look like it's a frosty bottle. Exactly. <laughs> and she's, and she's dr- a good story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are the real backgrounds, Luke. Um, one of, uh, see, I like the one with um, Larry, help me pronounce his name, Saperstein? Saperstein. Yeah, he's in High School Musical, the musical series on Disney. Oh, what a good show. Right. Yeah, with Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. And, you know, I thought so many times people like, um, you know, in the business, people get asked a lot of, can you help me? Can you do this for me? And they can't always. And maybe the people asking them don't have the, the background or the training that they need for what they asking this person for but in your podcast mentors on the mic people are here your guests come on and they give real legit information on how it's done how it's not done how to get yourself ahead and if you're not ahead and don't know where to go what you need to do 
to prepare yourself or train yourself to get there. And I think that's one of the most amazing uh, things that, and you've got to be feeling that now, Michelle, that you are really providing a lot of help and information to people. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for listening and for those, for just such a sweet message and saying that. I really, really, really appreciate it. I mean, those are the things you hold on to, so thank you. Um, yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think it didn't hit me until I'm, I'm now about to start my fourth season soon. But last year was my third season, and I remember doing my third season going, I think that this is, like, I, I am starting to see that I'm helping people. I am starting to see that people are asking me questions about the industry. I, I am seeing that, like, people are, ask, you know, saying to me that they're reaching out to some of the people on my podcast and they're able to help them or give them advice on stuff or read their material sometimes, you know, and, and so that feels really good. And then, you know, in addition to that, in addition to my interviews, last season I started, and you mentioned this before, but, you know, um, I started doing these solo bonus episodes where I would take some of the things that people were talking to me about and create these like mini episodes on them. So I'd say, okay, we're here, here are ways to deal with rejection that I've learned, but also that my, my mentors on the podcast have shared, you know, like tips that they, you know, I, I had Amy Koppelman on the show, who's a director and a writer. She directed and wrote a mouthful of air with um, Amanda Seyfried. And, you know, she has been doing this for quite some time. And I asked her, like, how do you deal with the crazy rejection that a writer deals with or that a director deals with? And she gave some such great advice that I was like, I need to make a whole new episode just talking about ways to deal with rejection. And that was really well received from people. People really enjoyed going, oh, here, here are great ways to deal with the inevitable rejection that's in any part of this career, like any job that's in the entertainment industry, there's some rejection. So it's been really nice expanding the original message of the inter- of the of these of the podcast, which were these interviews, and now sort of taking some of that out and going. You know, I have some of my most popular episodes are tips from casting directors. A lot of actors listen to my podcast, I think, because of me. And, you know, I created these episodes that are just like, here are tips from casting directors about putting together self-tape and auditions. And here are some really great tips from casting directors that they want actors to know. And I took these shows and put them in together. And, I mean, people loved that. They really got a lot of information Mm -hmm. just from that. And those were in my podcast episodes anyway. They might have heard it already. They might not have listened to all of them. But having it compiled together in these mini bonus episodes became really helpful, too. So I'm really working on ways to expand that and be more helpful to people. Oh, yeah, I like that. Because the first time I heard the one with uh, Larry, I'll just call him Big Red from High School Musical. Yeah, um, that's how he called yeah, yeah. it. It, <laughs> it was in one of those bonus episodes that you do. And I think mm-hmm. that was, it might have been the one about rejection. Yeah. Uh, so then I thought, Oh, she's playing an extra. Okay, and that's somebody else I can go listen to and hear more from him. And it's Aww. just so much fun. And the things, here's the thing. It doesn't matter where you are in this business. You've got people in every aspect and ready to help. But there's a lot of things that you don't have to be involved in anything that has to do with show business to get mm-hmm. a lot of value from the podcast, such as things like how to calm your nerves, uh, memory tips. How to, you know, and yeah, about well, handling you know, rejection. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, so it's interesting. Three or so years ago, I started, maybe almost four, I started taking my acting skills and, and figuring out ways to create, like, I think what it was is I was thinking of other things I wanted to do outside of acting. And one of this girl that I know that I used to work with, she has a company called Energize Your Voice. She used to be an actor. Um, she got her master's in voice. And um, she translated those acting skills into a communication coaching business. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm a great communicator. <laughs> like, that is a strength of mine. Like, I was trying to think of other things I can do outside of acting. So when acting gets a little slow or when, you know, just to have something else, you know, you get to a certain age where you're like, oh, I want to do other things too. And one of my strengths, I think, is communication. And so I, I – I approached her and I said, you know, is there any way I can kind of help you with this? And she was amazing and a mentor to me. And she took me on and, and 
sort of taught me things she knew, and I was starting to, and, and the whole idea is to take our act ground and take our performance skills and what we know as actors and work on specific communication skills, like overcoming nerves, like how to calm yourself before auditions or before presentations or before keynote speaking, you know, and that's, that's something that I've been able to then take and form this other career with, which is provide, being a communication coach, working with, with clients in public speaking, teaching classes, teaching corporate classes and workshops, all on different subjects related to storytelling for professionals, um, you know, public speaking and how to feel really confident in speaking. Did you know that most people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it, but yeah. It's a I think Seinfeld <laughs> is a really good joke about how, you know, people are more afraid to give the eulogy than they are being in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never heard that from <laughs> Yeah, it's a good sense. one. So that's, you know, I started to combine it with the podcast a little bit. And I started going, you know what, let me put a whole, you know, let me put a podcast episode about overcoming nerves. And let me put a podcast episode about memory tips and tricks, because that's what my clients want to know. They want to know, you know, how do I not be nervous before this, this Zoom meeting even that I'm presenting mm-hmm. on? How do I, um, how do I memorize this? speech in a way that like are there any tricks to that I'm like yeah as actors we have to memorize things all the time and we have to memorize them quickly so uh, let me let me work on preparing something on how to you know different tricks about memory so that's something I've been able to combine with the podcast which has also been really nice but also being able to form my own business out of well that's brilliant so as a communications coach Michelle suppose somebody's listening and they go you know I love the movies, I love TV, but I'm not an actor and I have no plan to be one. However, I'm just a person working in accounts payable. I'm not a CEO. Mm -hmm. I don't give a speech, but i got to talk to groups of people. How do they hire you? Well, yeah, all they would have to do is is write to me, right, Um, Michelle at michellesimonemiller.com. And, you know, I I can give them some of the stuff that I've worked on and it will have a, a little consultation. The whole idea, though, is most of the people that I work with aren't actors. I have people in, in finance, in, you know, in sales, and I have one documentary producer who's a client of mine, um, I think one actor, and, you know, and then there's, you know, a nurse, a doctor, you know, like there's all these things that presentations and public speaking are actually really, really great to work on, and it's not something we often feel like there, there are people out there to do that, but so you don't have to be an actor. You don't have to be in the industry to do this. But, in fact, I think the performance background that I have helps make these type of exercises more palatable, more fun, less dodgy. You know, I think it's an advantage to have all these improvisation exercises that I've grown up doing and being mm-hmm. able to share them and going, hey, this is how this, this fun exercise we just did this is how we can work on mental agility and the ability to think on our feet. You know, I have, a, I've had clients say, you know, approach me in classes or privately saying, Hey, you know, Michelle, uh, you know what I'm nervous about? I'm not nervous about the presentation. I'm nervous about the Q and a afterwards. I'm nervous that, you know, someone's ah. asking a question and I'm not going to know how to answer it. Well, what if my answers jumbled up? Sometimes I'll answer and I'll be like, you know, I feel like I'm stalling for a while trying to think of the answer and so then I'll just do mental agility exercises. I'll play all these games with them on how to think on your feet and how to feel confident that we all have the ability to think on our feet if we just give ourselves the time and the confidence to get there. And so that's, that's a lot of how I do things. So if anyone's interested in this, feel free to write to me at michelle at michellesmillermiller.com or write to me on Instagram at michellesmillermiller. And I'm happy to talk with you about different skills, different different things we can work on together because it's, first of all, really fun for me, but often my clients find that it's a very fun way of getting better at something that they'd always been nervous about. Oh, gosh, I'm sure. I can think about uh, somebody in any kind of business, whether they do a data analyst or or a nurse or somebody, they know their subject. They know 
what they're talking about. They know what they do, but to get in front of people. And then I didn't even think about it until you said um, they can give their talk, but then when it comes to the Q&A, they're nervous. That didn't even occur to me. But yeah. it's got to or be. Or what if, like, things happen? I mean, you know, like, things happen, right? Like, you're, you know, if you're interviewing me right now and something happens, like, you know, my my phone dies and all of a sudden I'm not there anymore and you just have to talk, right? You can do that. You have, a, you have the confidence to know I can handle that when that happens. But things happen all the time in the environment where, like, let's say, a, like, a Zoom thing goes wrong. You're presenting mm-hmm. on Zoom and something goes wrong. Or what if people don't look like they're listening or they don't have their cameras on? So you're like, what's going on? How do I get people to, like, interact with me? And those are all things that we can be prepared for and feel confident in. Um, but we don't, yeah, and I also, I'll, I'll add this, I also have a membership that I haven't really been talking about too much, so I have to remember <laughs> to talk about it, but it's with clients who have worked with me before who just want a steady practice of coming in twice a month and just working with me on Zoom in, like, a group format, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not an expensive membership, it's just a way for people to come in on their own time when they feel like they can, and and just work on some of these skills, work on public speaking, work on presenting, work on mental agility, like I said, working on telling stories and feeling really good about them, but in a very, like, low-risk environment kind of thing. So I do have that as well if someone's like, I just want to come in and maybe not work one-on-one, but just have a group there. That would be great. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I definitely want to share more about that in all of my social media post. That's excellent. I got to imagine you take these people and you get them through their, uh, any kind of little, with your mil- mental agility exercises and uh, memory tips and everything you do, you build their self-confidence because let's face it, Zoom is going to be here to stay. Uh, a lot of yeah. people don't want to go back to the office. So it's like, well, then I'll have to be on Zoom, but at least I won't have to be in traffic. But you've got, I, here's what I want to picture, Michelle. It's when they, when you, when they come to you and you coach them and you prepare them for this and get them ready to do, to take on any Q&A, any message, any Zoom, and they just blossom. You've got to feel like a fairy godmother. It's the best feeling ever. It's so, you know, that sometimes, you know, sometimes people come to me when they don't have anything specific, like they don't, they don't have like a presentation they know they work on. They're just working on the skills on the longer scale because they know those things are going to come up. But sometimes they have something, whether it's a networking event and they're really shy and they're like, oh, you know, I'm not used to going up to people at these networking events or presenting something that they were working on that we worked on together. And then they come back to me afterwards like, oh, I felt amazing. And that <laughs> is the best feeling for me. Or they're just sure. like, it worked. Everything went well. Like, I felt really good about how I, you know, sometimes it's even as simple as like, I don't, you know, some people just don't feel confident talking about themselves, right? I start most of my membership sessions with everyone talking for one minute about either themselves or some subjects that I give them that's related to them. And people get more and more confident with just talking about themselves or talking about what they do in a distinct way. You know, most people feel really uncomfortable. They'll, they'll say what they do and they do it in a way that's like, flippant or no one understands what they're saying or people have to ask more questions or they or they go on for too long and so you know it's fun just having those small adjustments where it's like let's get really confident on just explaining your brand explaining the company explaining your job that you work on and seeing them because that's something people get asked all the time to talk about and seeing the difference in just even just a few weeks like a couple weeks of just like oh wow like I I'm so I just it's so much easier to talk about myself on a date it's so much easier to talk about myself at work so those are the, the moments that I just I, I just get so excited about I just love it I love the sound of it I love hearing you talk about it, it Michelle you know everybody talks about meaningful work wants to do meaningful work or make an impact or what what will I leave on this earth you know what will people remember about me and I think what you do as an actor uh, when you bring uh, you bring a role to life uh, on a major show like Blue Bloods or any other uh, uh, or when you just on stage doing a live play or any of your you know commercials TV everything that you do that you bring something 
special to to uh, something authentic and believable to the people watching you, to your audience or to your viewers, that is doing meaningful work. But also what you're doing for people who come to you with it, they're coming to you to coach them on how to speak or how to do this, or they join the membership group just to continue it, that's got to feel like incredibly meaningful work. It does. It does. And I, you know, I, I always tell people a lot of my clients sometimes come to me a little bit lost and like, you know, like I don't know what else to do or I'm an actor and I don't know if there's something else that I'm meant to do. And I, I always say, you know, there's a really great, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. There's a signature strength, like a strength test that you can take online. And I think the one I took was VIA. I forgot the name of the company, but it's some sort of institute. And the idea is you take this quiz. It's a very easy quiz to take. Just takes a few minutes. And they give you a list of your strengths, your character strengths. And, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a misunderstanding that people need to work on their, their um, weaknesses every day in order to get better as a human being. But often when you work on your strengths every day, that's when you experience proven happiness. That's when studies show you're actually happier. It's when you're working on your strengths every day. And so I asked myself, well, what, what are my strengths? And I, and I identified some of them. And when I did, it was just, it just felt right, being able mm-hmm. to just do what I love doing and that I'm good at. So I do encourage people, take this quiz, this, this signature strengths quiz, and, and ask yourself, like, what stuff are you good at? What stuff makes you happy? Because, you know, the more you fill your time with things that make you happy, Right. The more, you know, you, you wake up every day and it doesn't feel as hard and, you know, you go to sleep and it doesn't feel as long or, you know, it's definitely something that I think everyone should think about more and more. And I, I, I try to remind myself that all the time. You know, when I think of new projects I want to do, I'll be like, what stuff am I good at and what stuff do I enjoy doing? This is totally new to me. I've never heard of this before, but I'll definitely check it out, and I definitely will share it with people. But, uh, you, Michelle, you've been so generous with your time uh, with me tonight, and I'm just, I know I've taken up a lot of your time, and you've got a lot of things to do. So in the few minutes, two things I wanted to bring up, too, is that, you know, you have your podcast, you have great guests, and then you do these excellent little bonus episodes that are just absolute jewels. Um but you're going to have something else coming up soon. I think it's you and your friend, Kate Bone. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I, I was starting this. I started this little mini series. And actually, I dropped the first episode last Friday. But the second episode's coming out tomorrow. And I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the book Atomic Habits. It's on all the best-selling charts. It's, you know, New York Times bestseller, all that stuff. And it's by James Clear. And I read the book in December. I was on my honeymoon. And I read this book and I was like, oh my God, I have to put this on the podcast because it just felt like a, a form of mentorship with like really key advice as to how to feel better about your life. You know, it's all about habits, creating habits that are good, breaking bad habits that you don't want anymore in your life and how to change that for yourself. And there's so many tips and there's so many techniques. And so I, I, you know, asked my friend who's also an actress who also is in, you know, has her own community of actors to get together and, and we do this virtually and we recorded five mini episodes together where we broke down this book, Atomic Habits, into, you know, just pocket-sized episodes that go over all these tips and tricks. And so we're putting them out every Friday. Like I said, tomorrow's the second one and it's great tips on how to create, you know, habits in your life and, and, feel like you're, you're really creating big change with small habits. And then on Sundays, so this Sunday as well, we're having integration calls where you can hop on Zoom with us for 45 minutes and help take these habits of that week and put them into action. And I made all these like very fun worksheets where it's like all these like habit stackers and habit trackers and, um, you know, implementation techniques, all the stuff that he talks about in the book. And I like have them written down that people can fill them and fill them out and kind of determine what what they want to focus on that week. And it's really exciting. So if there's any interest, guys, go to Mentors on the Mic, listen to the most recent episode on Atomic Habits, which is another one tomorrow. They're very bite-sized. They're about 15, 20 minutes long. And then join us on our calls on Sundays. We're even doing a raffle if you sign up to do these integration calls. 
you can um, you can submit you know win a chance to be to win this, these awesome prizes that we have in store. So it's a really fun thing. If anyone wants to work on that, it's really fun. Sounds like the best party of all. Uh, I love it. Michelle, Aww. one more thing before I let you go. And, again, thank you for being so generous with your time. I'm so grateful you came on the show, and I'm so uh, hoping that you'll come back again. Absolutely. All right, one more thing. I saw a little something that you're working on a book. Yeah. So I've actually written two books, but the book that I'm going to go, I'm going to work on right now, the one that I want to like get published first, is a children's book, actually. So, um, yeah, so it's so exciting. I absolutely love it. A few years ago, I dreamt this entire book in a dream, and I woke up, wrote it all down on a phone, on my phone, just like all the characters, all the things that happened. And it's about a little boy who right before uh, he goes to sleep the night before his birthday and he's sick and he asks his mom to, you know, he wants to fight the cold and his mom says, you know, be careful what you wish for. It might come true. And he wakes up and he's in front of this cave that says Billy's nose. And when he walks in, he joins the battle of the nose of his nose of his cold. And he fights the bad germs. He joins the WBC or the white blood cell army <laughs> and joins General Noser. And he learns why there's coughing, why he sneezes, why he has medicine, why it's water. So it's this incredible book. I got, I hired someone to do the illustrations. They're absolutely beautiful. And my next step, and I haven't figured out what this next step is and which way I'm going to go, but I either will self-publish it or I either will start submitting and querying agents to get this book out there and in the traditional publishing. And there's pros and cons for both that people keep telling me. But if anyone has any advice out there as to which route I should go, let me know because I'm hoping to decide soon which way I want to go. But the book is completely done, so it's very exciting. Beautiful. Well, you know, I'm a book publicist, so the first thing I'll say is what you're doing right now, start promoting well before it's published. Right. So right. even better, uh, which, as I said, that's exactly what you're doing. And, uh, oh, my gosh, yes, that sounds perfect. All right. And the next book? You know, I'm going to pull this out of you. The other book, yeah, the other book is a business of acting book. So I, I decided I have to do one at a time. So the children's book is first. But the other one is a business of acting book. And it's literally every chapter breaks down all the things that I wish I knew when I graduated college. You know, things <laughs> that people ask me all the time about auditions, about headshots, about, you know, sprinkled in with stories of my own. So that's, I mean, I don't even know how many pages it is, but I think, I think last I checked it was about 300 or I, I don't know. It's on words, so you never know with words, and you have to translate word count and estimate True. the pages. But it was a lot. It was a lot. Maybe 150. I, I haven't calculated in a while, but it was a lot of pages and like multiple chapters, and so that's also pretty much done. Fantastic! I am so excited. This has been so much fun, and I am just so delighted to talk with you, um, Michelle Simone Miller. Thank you for being my guest here on Madam Perry Salon. I just wish you every bit of continued success in the world. If there is anything I can do for you, and for, uh, please don't ask, just tell. Just let me know. And you know what? I just think that um, I just think these books, your books, are going to be runaway successes. And will you come back again? Uh, we're going to have even more fun. So anything you want to know about Michelle Ms. Simone Miller, uh, her shows, her, her podcast, the uh, membership groups and coaching, everything, I'm going to be sharing that on all of my social media and look forward to talking with her again. Uh, Michelle, you got any parting words? Um, take action, everyone. You know, take yes. risks. Take action. You know, uh, they talk about an atomic habits, you know, try not to be in motion all the time. You know, sometimes I get very stuck on planning and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, studying and trying to, but, you know, I'm trying to take more action this year. So go ahead, take more action, make the podcast, write the book, put it out there. Excellent. 
Perfect. All right. Well, we'll be talking to you soon. And this is Madam Perry Salon. Uh, JP, your groove mistress here, saying thank you so much for listening. And definitely check out uh, Michelle Simone Miller's podcast and her website. And I'm going to close out with my motto for my song, Everybody's Got to Swing. Thank you so much, folks. Everybody be kind to yourself and be kind to each other. I think you're all wonderful. Goodbye. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.